May I pray for you, Andrew. Father God, we thank you for Andrew. We thank you for all his preparation. We thank you for all his listening, his observation. And we pray, Lord, now that you will anoint him to speak your words and your truth to us today. And Father, we also ask that by the presence and power of your Holy Spirit, our hearts and minds may be prepared and receptive to receive all that we can from you today too. Ask these things in your precious name, Lord. Amen. Amen. Adele, thank you. And thank you so much for your welcome. It's great to be back with you. Slightly different atmosphere than Wolderspade sings carols uh, in December, but it's great to be here. And uh, lovely to be preaching on this theme of the Holy Spirit. And uh, lovely to do it in a church uh, whose history I know says we believe in the Holy Spirit. It's not true everywhere. And and it's great to be in a church that affirms uh, the work and the power of the Holy Spirit. But my question is, as we think afresh this morning about the work of the Holy Spirit, about believing in the Holy Spirit, what does that mean for us as individuals, one by one? What does it mean, too, for you as church, as God's people here in Walderslade. And I want you to try and think as I speak this morning through both those ideas. What does it mean for me? What does it mean for us? So Jesus, in the passage we just had read, is preparing the disciples. It's from the series of chapters in John's Gospel where Jesus is with the disciples at the Last Supper and he's giving them those kind of important last words um, before they will leave the upper room and journey down to the Garden of Gethsemane and all the drama which will follow as Jesus is arrested and tried and crucified. And Jesus is beginning that work of getting them ready for what comes next. And for those who've been close to Jesus, he has been with them day by day over three years. They've had Jesus near them. They've watched him. They've observed him. They've listened to him. They've asked questions. And he's been available to them. And in the good times, in the tough times, when things have gone well and things have gone badly, Jesus has been there as their reference point. And now Jesus is going physically. He will leave them as he dies on the cross. Then, of course, as we know, because we're right in this season, he is risen and spends time with his disciples in his resurrected form. And then just this last week, we have remembered how he ascended into heaven to be seated at the right hand of the Father, telling the disciples to wait in Jerusalem for this gift that he talks about here, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I just want to remind us again this morning, what does that mean? What does the Holy Spirit mean? What is this this gift that Jesus is preparing his disciples for at Last Supper, telling them to wait for ascension, and that we remember at Pentecost, not just as a once a year gift, but as a 365, 24-7 gift. So the spirit of truth is how Jesus refers first to the spirit. And that spirit of truth, we see in verse 16, is a gift 
of the Father. So Jesus on earth is reminding us that the Father will not abandon us as Jesus dies, is risen and ascended. Here is the Father's gift to the followers of God. And this gift will help us to be the people that Jesus longs for and prays for us to be. Just later on in John 17, we catch something of Jesus' prayer, probably the prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, as he prays for his disciples and for those who will follow him. Jesus wants us to be in the place of obedience, as those who obediently follow him and walk in his ways. He longs for us to know his presence. He longs for us to live in his peace. And the Spirit as the counsellor is there both to defend us, to make sure that we walk in the ways of God and that we know his comfort. So the disciples have been with Jesus. He has been amongst them. Just um, this week, um, we had the funeral of my father-in-law. And, uh, and in the funeral service, um, the eulogy was given by somebody that he did national service with. And um, he and his friend basically spent about six months together doing national service. But out of that six months, as 19-year-olds, a friendship developed that lasted for nearly 70 years. They had been with each other for that period, and that being with meant that their lives became important, even though they didn't see very much of each other right through um, until my father-in-law's death. The disciples had been with Jesus for these three years, and that meant they grasped lots of things. We see in Acts 2 how um, in the early church they were devoted to the teaching of the apostles. They'd learnt lots during that time with Jesus. And yet, there was also going to be a gap. They didn't have everything they needed. Their three years apprenticeship wasn't enough. It's a bit like when you learn to drive the car. And uh, you get to your driving test, and hopefully you pass. Um, And in the driving test, you remove the L plates from the car but you are not a perfect driver at that point. I discovered that by having a car accident a week after passing my driving test. Jesus needs to ensure that his disciples were not alone. And so the gift of the Spirit ensures that those who have been with Jesus now have the Spirit in them. They move from a place of being with Jesus to a place where the Spirit is in them. And with the Spirit's help, here's what Jesus hopes for. That we will continue to see Jesus. That we'll continue to fix our eyes on Jesus and to know who he is. That we will realise who Jesus is in relationship as well as in truth. That we will love Jesus. That we will obey Jesus. 
because the Holy Spirit is there to underline and to reinforce what Jesus has been doing with his disciples. They've been seeing him. They realise who he is. They've been loving him and learning to obey him. And that's what Jesus longs for us. The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. We can't do it by ourselves. We can't do it alone. We need the help that God offers through his spirit to remember, to learn, to be the disciples that Jesus longs for us to be. And we need that reinforcement that comes from the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth. So the spirit is there as truth, as a reminder of what is true. The spirit is there to remind us that we belong. Jesus says that we are to no longer be orphans. And one of the dangers for us is that's exactly how we behave. In the story of the prodigal son or the lost son, um, Jesus talks of a son who makes himself an orphan. He says, Father, I want my share of the estate so I can go and do my thing. And in doing that, he treats his dad as if he's no longer alive and makes himself an orphan. He lives independently, abandoning his father and doing his own thing. And the danger for us is that we can do independence. We can do life without God. And the Holy Spirit is there to remind us that we are not orphans, but that we belong. Jesus says, on that day, you will realise I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father and I too will love them and show myself to them. We need to be clear about who we are. We are those who belong to God. And it's the Holy Spirit that's the reminder that we belong. I will no longer leave you as orphans. I will be with you. And our choice is, do we live as those who belong? Firstly, to God, but secondly, to one another. To this body that God has given us so that we relate and so that we belong. The Spirit reminds us that we are to be those who belong. And then this Spirit, we know, equips and empowers us. Just to move from the passage in John for a moment and just to touch on two other passages which are important as we recognise that we believe in the Holy Spirit. In Galatians 5, we're reminded the fruit of the Spirit is Love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, depending on which translation you read, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep step with the Spirit. And in believing in the Spirit, the invitation is not just to believe 
from a distance, but to live lives that means we are in step with the Spirit. There'll be a lot of marching this week um, on television, um, not least because of the Queen's official birthday celebrations next weekend, but possibly because of a visit that's happening this week as well. And, uh, and as you watch people marching, marching works when they keep in step and is disastrous when they don't. All kinds of things go very badly wrong when soldiers get out of step and begin to um, fall over each other because they are out of alignment. And the question for us is, are we in step with the Spirit? How do we know that we're in step? Because our lives begin to flourish with the fruits of the Spirit. Some of those fruits come very easily to us. Some are harder work. Some of us are naturally patient. Some of us are less naturally patient. Some of us are naturally joyful. Some of us are lesser. But with the help of the Spirit, by being in step with the Spirit, that fruit begins to grow and to flourish in our lives. God helps, but it's our choice whether we're in step. Where are you? In step with the Spirit, out of step with the Spirit. People talk about us being out of sorts. And out of sorts is being out of step, isn't it? Where are we? And then Paul, teaching the church in Corinth, talks about the gifts of the Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same law. There are different kinds of working. But in all of them and in everyone, it's the same God at work. Psalm 139 reminds us of this, that you are, we are, fearfully and wonderfully made. And so in being made by God, all of us are talented, gifted by God. There is natural talent, natural ability that's part of you because God has been part of how you're formed. And some of that is obvious, and some of it needs to be nurtured, and some of it needs to be discovered. But there is natural gifting in all of us. But it's like God adds to that natural gifting, special gifting that comes through his Holy Spirit. Sometimes over a long time, sometimes just because on that occasion, unexpectedly, we need the help of God and he's there to do it. But those gifts are God's gifts. My brother um, was an apprentice motor mechanic. And, um, and because he worked in a busy garage, um, and because life was not always straightforward in a busy garage and things got muddled, every one of his tools, he had his name carved on it. So that um, if somebody borrowed it, it got back to him. Or if it got misplaced, it ended up back where he was. They were his gifts, his tools, and, um, and they were marked with his name on. The gifts of the Holy Spirit that work in us do not have our name on them. They have God's name on them. God lends them to us. He says, this is my gift for you to use. It's God's 
not ours. They're gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so as we declare our belief in the Holy Spirit, the one who gives life, life in all its fullness, that belief carries with it an invitation to response. It's not just a head belief. Well, yeah, I guess the Holy Spirit's around, that's okay. The question is, what difference is the Holy Spirit for you and I? My wife and I um, have a kind of tease thing in our household. My wife loves candles. And so people give her candles as gifts. And, um, And there came a time when there were just a number of candles that were kind of on the side, looking very candlish, pretty, or whatever you want to say, in their packaging. And I would go, can we light that candle? Oh, no, 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 we can't light it. It was a gift. And I'll go, but that candle is a gift to be burnt. It's not just a gift to look at. I've heard some extraordinary stories that I don't understand about people who find Easter eggs in June or July. And, you know, for me, Easter eggs are to be eaten at Easter. They're not to be hidden away. But the question for us is, what happens with the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is not just to be believed in theoretically. It's not just a gift from God that we leave on the shelf just in case. It's a gift to be used. A gift to be used in our daily lives that we might more and more bear the fruit of the Spirit. A gift to be used in our lives that we might be ready to serve God even in unexpected ways where we don't go, I can't do that, but go, I can't do it, but with God I might be able to. A gift that helps us to remember who Jesus is. A gift that brings with it the peace of God ruling in our hearts. A gift not just for me, but for us. It's not just a personal gift. It's a gift to encourage, a gift to build up, a gift because actually as the body of Christ, we need each other sharing the gifts of God that he has given us. We believe is good. But what is greater is a living out of that belief. In this season in the church's year, Jesus said to his disciples, wait in Jerusalem for the gift that is coming. If I'd been one of the early disciples, I think I'd been really eager to get on with the job. And yet they were instructed to wait. Wait for the gift. And next Sunday at Pentecost, we celebrate all that happens as that gift is released in the upper room to disciples who are changed and transformed into the streets of Jerusalem, where over the course of that day, 3,000 people are baptized. Wow. Lives are changed. Now, what's exciting is we don't have to wait until next Sunday. 
Because although we celebrate next Sunday that the Holy Spirit comes, the Holy Spirit is not, as I've said already, not limited to one day a year. That gift of God's Spirit is a gift for us every day. A gift we need to receive regularly because as you've probably heard so many times, we leak and we need the Holy Spirit to fill us and renew us that we might bear that fruit, share those gifts, remember who Jesus is and walk as those who are not orphans but belong. And so in the context of this service, may we be those who not only say we believe but be those who say Jesus, fill me. I receive your gift that I might live as one who belongs. That I might live as one who fixes their eyes on Jesus. That I might live as one who more and more reveals and demonstrates the fruit of the Spirit and who is ready for God to gift. Can we stand as I pray, please? Jesus, we thank you for the amazing gift of your Holy Spirit, the gift of your Father to us. And we pray today, may we receive afresh that gift. That gift that we might be more and more the people that you long for us to be. As the body of Christ here at church in our homes and households, in the places we go to day by day, amongst our friends and neighbours. May we be people who bear your fruit, people who remember Jesus, people who are confident that we belong, people who are ready to serve you. And we know, Jesus, we can't do it by ourselves. And so we ask you afresh for your help through your spirit. Amen.